All right, so uh, Memorial Day, okay, as, as someone who's in the military, okay, so remember, Memorial Day is to remember those people who have died while doing military service. Veterans Day, when you thank all the people who have served, it's confusing. I know, because we combine them all the time. So it's cool to say, hey, thanks for your service and do all these things. But remember, Memorial Day is for people who have died while in military service. Veterans Day is where you thank all the veterans. And we're not going to get into Armed Forces Day, because that's something else, too. And then Flag Day, because it's on the same day. All right, here we go. This is the last sermon on developing a better posture of rest. Okay, this is the fourth iteration of it, and hopefully... Um, You can experience some rest during this sermon like some of the people in the first service did um, with their eyes closed and meditating. It was great. Okay, first we looked at how God had created human beings and for the purpose of work. God created work as a very good thing. He created us to work, but the problem is is that overwork, the overexertion, the constantly working is part of the consequence of of the fall through the sin of Adam and Eve. We saw that when God handed down this law of the Sabbath to the people, breaking this Sabbath led to some pretty big consequences, uh, which was death. Then we saw through the life of Jesus Christ how he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And through his example, we saw that doing good, that saving a life, letting other people experience freedom in God, healing, all those things were lawful to do on the Sabbath. I gave some practical examples of how we can experience rest, and I even gave you some encouragement that some of you do work on the Sabbath but it isn't feel like work to you, and it might be considered work for others. For instance, gardening. Some of you love gardening or lawn care, and you're like, you know what? It's so relaxing. It brings me, it brings me peace. It brings me connectedness, and it's restful for me to garden. For me, I would not want to garden at all. I would consider that work. So for me, it's work. For you, it's not, okay? But this morning, I want to wrap this up and offer some additional insights on the importance of rest as well as understanding and just naming some of those hurdles and challenges that some of us are facing because of our work schedules and our activity schedules. But here's what's at stake. In the book of Deuteronomy, there is a warning that is given to the people, okay? The next generation is at stake by what we do, by what we teach, by what we say. And so Moses rehashes the law to the people before they enter into the land their Lord, their God, is giving them. Starting in chapter 6, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God created me to teach to you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them Fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy a long life here, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you. And that you may increase greatly in a land flowing of milk and honey, just as the Lord your God of your ancestors promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength. And these commands that I give you today shall be on your heart. Please impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land flowing, flourishing cities you did not build, houses with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, vineyards you did not plant, olive groves you did not plant, and then when you are eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And then we skip down to verses 20 through 25. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of these stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord has brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our laws, or before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on an oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. What I have seen over the past 30 years is that our society in general has continued moving away from taking a day off. Even as a kid, I remember going to soccer tournaments all the time, and some of those went on Sundays. And as a 10, 12, 13, 14, 16, 17-year-old kid, I was like, all right, I don't have to go to church on Sunday because I got soccer games. And then, lo and behold, my parents would always have a church outfit for me in the car, and we would go to church near the soccer fields. Wherever we went, we went to church on Sundays. After the game, go get changed, Jeremy. We're going to church. Like, okay, all right. And you know, and as a kid, I didn't really appreciate it, but I saw from my parents' example that going to church worshiping on Sundays was a very important thing for a family. And so for my own kids, when we're on vacation, Dad, are we really going to go to church tomorrow? We don't know anybody at this church. We've never, yes, we're going to church in the morning. It's going to be great. We're all going to go. And so I get to pass that down to them. And guess what? Hopefully they pass it down to their kids as well. As our society becomes more and more secularized, church, and especially keeping the Sabbath honored, is going away. It's, it's moving to the wayside. In fact, I actually have a quote that I have developed, and this is quoting me. 
Church is the number one priority in everyone's life unless something else comes up. Church is the number one priority in everyone's life until something else comes up or pops up. From the reiteration that Moses gives the Israelites before going into the land that God has promised them, he told them, there's going to be a time when your children are going to ask you why. Why are we doing these things? We didn't see God perform all these miracles. Are you sure that really happened? We weren't there to see the plagues and the wonders of Egypt. Did that really happen? We didn't see God depart apart the Red Sea. In fact, we didn't even see God provide that manna. We begin forgetting, and so the younger generations do not know what they what they're doing. And so it is important that they impress onto their next generation what and why. Why are we obeying these laws in the first place? Because they're important. And God has a plan for us observing these. God's laws and precepts are to be talked about all the time, just like we heard in this last passage. We're to talk about them when we walk along the road, when we get up in the morning, when we go down at night. We're going to tie them as reminders around our hands, make reminders around our foreheads, write them on the doorposts of our house and on the gates. They're always going to be talked about. They're going to be reiterated over and over in everything that we do so that we don't forget and that our generations after us do not forget. What I've noticed that on on Sundays, uh, church attendance as well as honoring the Sabbath and, and choosing to take a day off is an indicator of how well our relationship with God is going. Okay, it's not defining our relationship with God. It is an indicator of Uh, call it a temperature gauge to determine how are we aligning our lives with God's life. To come to church to worship as a community one time a week just for a couple of hours in one body and one spirit and one voice. We come together, we pray, we encourage one another, we fellowship, we praise God together as a community. What a privilege. And then it equips us to be able to do the work the six other days of the week. The younger generation is watching us. If attending church is not a top priority, it's not going to be a top priority for them. If they're watching us work and pack our schedule so tight that we don't have time to just rest, to not do anything, they notice. If they are watching us to see if our priorities match up with our schedules. This is where Sabbath rest plays such an important role with how we are raising the next generation. If we're too busy to rest, if we're too busy to attend church one day a week and enter into a time of rest to become refreshed by God's renewing spirit, to comfort to find comfort in his presence, the younger generation, they're taking note. They're watching everything and everything that we're doing, which is why God tells Moses, tell them again before they enter into the land so that they don't forget. The parents have to teach their kids and those kids to their kids and so on. This 
imploring speech that Moses gave the people was not heeded by some. We see that through their entire lives, there was disobedience, a lack of trust that the people had with God. This person, for example, in Numbers chapter 15, uh, Numbers chapter 15, who was stoned to death for collecting firewood on the Sabbath, do you think that he was the only one that ever worked on the Sabbath? Out of a million people, I was just thinking about this this last week. Out of a million people, chances are somebody had a baby on Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath. Chances are that happened. Do you think that the woman who was going into labor, that her women friends who were the midwives, the doulas, the people who were assisting her birth were like, hey, you know what, uh, Betty or... Uh, it's the Sabbath, we'd love to help you, but you're on your own. Of course not. They were probably providing and collecting wood. They were lighting a fire to keep warm, maybe boiling some water, collecting blankets, uh, cleaning up. You know, there's all kinds of things to do to attend to. Of course they were performing work on the Sabbath. Now look, I'm going to go out on a limb here. This is not in any commentary. And I told the first service, look, you can take me to task later. You can go back and listen to this and critique it. But I suspect one of the reasons why this person was stoned in Numbers 15, as opposed to maybe other stories that we didn't hear about people breaking the Sabbath, is because six days to do all your work, you couldn't just let this extra day go. You had to do it. Maybe you were trying to get ahead of somebody. Maybe you were trying to win and you were trying to just eke in, hey, if I can just work one more day, then I can get ahead. Instead of just stopping and renewing, I don't know what this person's attitude was, but we know that their heart was not in the right place and they were desecrating the Sabbath by choosing to do non-restful work. That this was a direct violation of God's laws and he was setting a precedent in the camp that this could not be tolerated and so he was put to death by the community. I don't know exactly what his motivation was. I don't know what his heart was. And again, it wasn't in any kind of commentary, but from what we see in, uh, num uh, in Exodus chapter uh, 16 and how God provided the manna for the people, I think that there is a correlation with this. So let's look at verses 15 through 26 of Exodus 16. It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did what they were told, and they gathered, some gathered much and some little. And when they had measured it by the omer, the one who had gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, Look, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses, and they kept part of it until the morning. But it was full of maggots, and it began to stink. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. 
And on the sixth day, here's where it comes in. The sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is to be a Sabbath day rest, a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil and what, save whatever is left until morning. So they saved it in the, till the morning. And as Moses had Moses commanded, and it did not stink and it did not get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath day to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. God provided exactly what the people needed. He provided for them, and he said, if I'm going to command you to rest, because this is for you, not for me, this is for you, if I'm going to tell you to stop, then I'm going to provide you an opportunity to be able to take that rest. And so he does. He provides a double portion on Friday, again, because the Jewish Sabbath was on Saturday. But let's look what happens in verse 27. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the Sabbath day. No one's to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. And because it's our tendency to not trust God, and we do whatever it is we please, there is typically a consequence associated with it. Now, it might not be death like it was in Numbers 15, but there is going to be a consequence for our disobedient. And I think this is really where the heart of the sermon this morning is, and really the heart of the four sermons that I've given on this. It comes down to trust. It comes down to believing that God is going to provide for you and me if we would just be willing to let go. If we would just be willing to trust that God is going to work out everything through the six days and we're diligent, and we're faithful, that that seventh day is going to be for us. Sometimes I trust God in that, and sometimes I don't. Do I trust that God's going to work everything out for me? Sometimes. I love to say that I get it perfect all the time, but I don't. But it doesn't mean I don't try. It means that we're not going to be perfect all the time, but we try. For example, a few weeks ago, I had to go to Arkansas to complete some National Guard training, and it was great. And I had that week to prepare for the sermon for the following week because I had Aaron Glenn Denning thankfully preach for me on that Sunday. And so I knew, and, and, and by the way, he challenged us, look, do hard things First thing in the morning, right? Take a cold shower. Do an incredible workout. Because if you do something hard in the morning, 
the rest of your day is going to seem easy, right? Challenge the day, seize the day. It's going to be great. So anyway, I said, okay, Aaron's going to preach this Sunday. So that means the Sunday, the week before, I need to prepare for the sermon for the following week because this week I'm going to be out of town. And so I was like mad dashing. I was meeting with people. I was doing the sermon, doing the slides, doing the uh, life group questions. And I'm like, okay, I got all this stuff to do. I got to do this. And I was working hard. And then at some point, this thought popped into my head. Hey, I'm not preaching this Sunday. I'm preaching the following Sunday. I've got all the time in the world. I can do this while I'm gone. You know what? At the end of the day, I can just work during the week while I'm gone. You know, I've got some time off the evening. I've got some time next weekend to knock it out if I wanted to. And I was like, you know what? I'm not. I'm going to work really, really hard, be diligent. I'm going to get the sermon done, and it's going to be all good. I'm going to wrap up all the loose ends. And then I went off on my trip, and you know what? I didn't have anything hanging over my head that I had to worry about when I came back. Everything was all good. I got to come home. I got to experience all schools day with my parents and my aunt and my family. We got to go and enjoy that entire weekend with nothing looming over my head because I had planned ahead of time to take this time off. And it worked out great. It worked out great. And sometimes we could easily fall back on, well, I've got this extra day on Sunday, or I've got this extra day on Saturday. I can do this. What if we actually aligned our schedules and our work schedules to say we only have six days to accomplish everything that we need to accomplish, instead of saying we have seven days to accomplish everything that we need to accomplish? What if we just said that? What if we just decided to begin to adjust everything that we needed to do for six days instead of seven it's hard because especially we live in a town that loves sports. We love activities and we're finding this out the older our kids get, the activities that they want to be involved in. In fact, we know that there are people that are always asking things from you. Your schools are asking for you to volunteer your time, baked goods. There's always a fundraiser somewhere. Your sports team, hey, come bring oranges, come bring juices, do this. Hey, we need drivers for this. Shoot, even our church, we're asking you to come and provide your time, your effort, your energy as well. So many demands being placed on you at any given time. It's no wonder why so many of us are burnt out and not knowing what to do. And so we look at our checkbooks, for those of us who still use a checkbook, and we look at our schedules on, 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 on paper or on our phones or whatever, and we see where our priorities lie. Where do we spend the most time? Where do we spend our most money? And that will tell us where our priorities are. And our kids are watching. The generation, the younger generation is watching us. I know the challenge. I know it's tough. I'm trying to balance my full-time position here at the church. I'm trying to balance my position in the National Guard. I'm trying to balance my time to exercise, meet with friends, spend time with my family, enjoy those things, and then drive kids to sporting events and do all those things, right? People are knocking on my door asking for money too. I get it, right? It's tough. It is a challenge, but we try. We find that we take this call seriously that God has, and we set that example for the generations 
to come. I don't know, has anybody ever seen this movie, That Thing You Do with, with, with Tom Hanks? It, it was it, from back in the 60s. Okay, like two people have seen it. Great. Okay, so this example is just going to be lost on the rest of you, but it's all good. All right. So anyway, there's a scene. One of the band members, his dad owns an appliance store downtown, and his dad is reading in this newspaper some advertisements for some stores that are coming in town, and he's reading this. It says, open Saturday, 10 to 10. Open Sundays, 12 to 6. Open on Sundays from 12 to 6? You know, I don't believe I want to live in a country where you have to stay open to work on Sundays in your business. You shouldn't have to work on Sundays to support your family. And it's funny, it's comical because it was in the 60s when we look back at it and we're like, yeah, that's how things were. Most businesses were closed on Sundays. When I was living in Saudi Arabia, in fact, uh, if it's prayer time and your business is open, you, don't, you might get a beating or you might get fined or both. It was crazy. Like, hey, no one's operating or doing any business during prayer time or the Friday afternoon or whatever. Like, it's, it's closed. And it's punishable by like a whooping or like sword stuff. You know, it was, it was legit. All right. Anyway. We live in a time now where most families have two parents that have to work outside the home to support their family, right? There is a di- it's a different time. There's so many other things to be involved in. People are asking us to have to do things on Sundays, whereas before we didn't really have to do much on Sundays. But all these decisions that we have to make, all these demands that are being placed on our lives, it forces us to have to say yes and it should also make us say no to some very good things. Having to say no to some very good things so that we prioritize what is the most important. And by what is most important, what do we want to train our next generations for what is most important as well? There was a study done uh, by the Harvard Business Review in 2016 where they studied like 5,614 adults that work 35 hours per week and their employers gave them paid time off. And as they studied this, in the year 2000, 20.3 vacation days were taken by those people. But in 2016 it was down to 16.2. Still given the same amount of time off, but people took almost a week less of time off by the year 2016. What they, what they saw from this study, they said, all of us are too steeped in productivity culture to value doing nothing. We're so steeped in a culture of productivity that we do not value doing nothing. But we're losing out on this crucial recovery time that our bodies and our minds need, which is why vacations are so important. They actually also did this study and they determined that people who took 10 or less days of vacation per year were only 34.6% more likely to see, receive a raise or a bonus. But for those who took more than 10 vacation days per year, they found that 65.4% of those people were more more likely to get a bonus or a raise. 
All right, here comes the slide. Chick-fil-A. And if you don't know that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays, you've never eaten at Chick-fil-A. Okay? Chick-fil-A has intentionally closed its doors on Sunday because their owners believe the Sabbath day on Sunday is an important day of rest and it should be observed. So all of the franchisees have their doors closed on Sundays. They earned $10.46 billion in 2018 despite being closed on Sundays. It's a lot of money. But, here's the but. They lost out on 14% of all the possible business days that could have, they could have been open for those Sundays. And it cost them to be closed on Sundays a year roughly $1 billion. A billion dollars. It's still the fastest growing food chain in the United States. And the same store sales growth in 2018 increased 16.2%. In 2019, that was also a 16% increase for same sale store growth, whatever. Is there a cost to not doing anything one day a week? There is. Chick-fil-A is missing out on a billion dollars of sales a year. There's a cost to doing nothing, but is the cost that we're paying for continuing to drive ourselves and choosing not to find rest in the Lord, is that cost worth it in the end? It's not. I'll just tell you that. It's not going to be worth it in the end. Just like I said a few Sundays ago, when I'm at the deathbed of people who are on their last breaths and they're like, you know, I regret not spending enough time at work, right? Nobody says that. They always say, I wish I would have spent more time with my family or with God or had a better relationship with my friends. I will just tell you, it is not worth it. You are paying a huge cost physically, emotionally, spiritually if you continue to push yourself and not receive this gift that God wants you to have. It is a gift for you. God has given you this gift and he wants you to receive it. Will you let him? Will you trust him enough that he's going to work it out the other six days of the week so that you can have a time to experience rest and refreshment with him. He did it for the Israelites, providing them extra food on Friday so they didn't have to cook on Saturday. And I think he can do it for us today still, but we have to be willing to trust him. I hope that this sermon series has been an encouragement, has been a challenge to you, and that we take seriously this opportunity to find rest and enjoyment in God and all of our schedules. Let's pray. God, uh, thank you for your challenge uh, to us this morning, and uh, we recognize that it is hard to trust you at times with our schedules, with our money, and God, there is so much that's being asked and demanded of us, and sometimes we've backed ourselves into a corner where we feel like we can't get out of our schedules, but God, you are calling us to experience rest. You have given us this gift, and we don't want to throw it away. We want to receive that gift, and so help us be able to prioritize. Help us to train our next generations to be faithful in their work, to enjoy work, and to also recognize that they can't do everything and one day needs to be set aside to experience rejuvenation and rest in you. God, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you this morning. 
Amen.